Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the privilege of talking to the Emmy-nominated and former executive producer of The Biggest Loser, Joel Relampagos. He was so much fun to talk to and had no problem answering some of our questions like, would they hide food from the contestants or on set? Was everyone just hangry all the time? And we got to hear Joel's very personal story about the time he checked himself into rehab after struggling with alcohol addiction for years. How did he hide that from his family and coworkers? And at what point did he say, I'm done, I need help? Folks, we can't wait for you to hear this conversation with the amazing Joel Relampagos. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. All right, Steph. I know you have a lot oh of fun gosh, questions to ask. Oh my so many questions to ask guest. him. That's going to be fun. Well, friends, our next guest is a television executive producer in Hollywood. He has executive produced shows such as The Biggest Loser. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> the Biggest Loser in Hell's Kitchen. He's also founder of the mental wellness company Change Your Algorithm. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mr. Joel Relampagos. All right, here we oh, go, Joel. Joel. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited. So when we were introduced to you via email, you had said you were in the middle of doing three TV shows. And for people outside of Hollywood, when we hear the words showrunner or executive producer, a lot of people don't know what that means. Okay. So when you are in the middle of executive producing three TV shows, what does that mean for you right now? Yeah, basically, we take ideas, concepts for shows, and then we develop them. So this summer, I was really developing three uh, show ideas. And that is basically the step before production, assuming the show gets greenlit and whatnot. And luckily, the shows that I did work on are getting greenlit. And so I go into production, which is basically filming um, in winter of this year. So that, in a nutshell, is what development means. It's like you're coming up with the concepts, you're finessing the ideas, you're structuring it so that, boom, you can have... 10 to 15 cameras film the idea and make the concept become concrete. Ah. Okay. So once the TV show gets greenlit, yeah. are you there actually filming it and you're there like the whole time or you're just in pre-production? So I'm there filming it. Yeah. So I'm the type of executive producer slash showrunner that is there from basically birth to grade school and graduation of college and you know see this whole thing to the very end type of thing so okay so what is your role once production starts like are you in charge of talent are you behind the camera what do you do yeah, so once production starts, I basically oversee all departments as an executive producer as well as a showrunner. So I will cast the talent, I will find the locations, I'm going to hire the key department heads such as cameras, audio, wardrobe, 
my job is to bring in the best leaders because those leaders are going to fill up their teams, right? So I'll, I'll hire a director and a director of photography. And then those people will hire, you know, the camera people that they trust and work well with. Because I have, you know, 20 different departments that I'm overseeing. And it would be impossible for me to micromanage the 200 different people in a crew. How long is your day? Well, great question. So development hours are like just from like 9am to 6pm, but filming can be 12 hours to 16 hours a day. Okay, so you mentioned you will take a show from infancy until it graduates. So this is literally your baby because you've been working on it the whole time. How hard is it when a show's over, right? When it's run its course? Is it like you lost a family member? It is like a breakup. Really? Yeah, you're just like, I can't believe it. You know, sometimes it'll feel like summer camp is over and you have to say bye to your friends and now you go back to school. But basically, you know, when it comes to an end, there is that that heartbreak, right? Because you had so much fun on a show. You invested your blood, sweat and tears into that show. You made such great relationships with people. But what I see as the silver lining is that the great people that I worked with, I now get to work with on other shows we can't see it yet. We don't know what shows they are yet, but opportunities arise all the time, especially in Hollywood. And so yeah. that's something to look forward to is that while this project has come to an end, we look forward to what the next one is going to be. So were you in the beginning of executive producing The Biggest Loser or did you come into that in the middle? I came into The Biggest Loser in season six. Okay. So I came up with the concept but it was a show where I actually started as a story producer. You know, a story producer, I only had like a couple of episodes that I was in charge of. But when I came into The Biggest Loser, it was the first time that I said to myself, I'm going to stick to this show because I love it so much. And this is the show that I'm going to one day be the executive producer for. And so I stayed there for season six, seven, eight. And then just moved up the producer ladder, if you will, became a co-executive producer and then eventually the executive producer. And it's been such or it was such a joy uh, running that show. Oh, that's amazing. OK, OK, OK. <laughs> Biggest loser. The contestants are there. They're cutting weight. They're getting healthy. Are y'all in your own trailers eating like the cheeseburgers and the pizzas? Or are you trying to eat healthy too? Are you hiding food? Yes. <laughs> I've certainly been guilty of eating cheeseburgers in, in the control room. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that person's been in the gym for three hours. Like, what am I doing with this cheeseburger and fries, right? Or like you're driving into work and you grabbed a donut at the cafe and you're like, wait, what am I doing? And you pull up and you see all the contestants oh. running at seven in the morning. Morning. So there definitely is that guilt trip, you know, and so I think all of us at the crew just learned, okay, maybe I don't need to have so many donuts today. Maybe I do need to get a workout in at least once every few days. So it, it was a learning lesson for everybody. Oh. What was your favorite memory from The Biggest Loser? Oh my gosh. Anytime we had a live season finale, mm. it is, I mean, I just get goosebumps talking about it. And you see these transformations, not even just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. 
just how much these contestants have changed, right? Because truthfully, at the end of the day, when there's cameras in front of you, of course, you're going to go work out. Of course, you know, you can not eat the pizza because we don't allow pizzas for the contestants. Um, but it is a decision, an internal decision to make a mental shift, a change, and to see these contestants just mentally very different and they've transformed makes the entire experience so rewarding for all of us. Was it hard for you to see these contestants? They did amazing. The show's over, their season's over. And then a few years later, you know, they bring them back for a reunion and some of them started falling off. Was that hard for you? Because you got these relationships with these contestants. Yeah. And I think it was a reality of how when you are isolated from the real world, away from the distractions, the bills, the families, the fast food chains, um, of course, you're going to lose weight. But when you're actually put in your at home environment, it's a completely different story. What I compare the biggest loser is that it's like college where you're going to get all the education that you need in order to live a healthy life, right? Or it's going to be up to you to use those skills and actually apply it off into the real world, however way you'd like. I think there were some people that kept the weight off. There were other people that put the weight back on. But truthfully, at the end of the day, it's like whatever you want to use those experiences for. Yeah. Okay, Joel, I'm not going to mention any names here, but there's someone in the room with me right now who, when she is not fed, she gets a little cranky. So, on The Biggest Loser, is everyone just (laughs) hangry, walking around, upset all the time because they're hungry, right? Because I know how an individual in this room right now would be. So what is that like when you're actually on the set of The Biggest Loser? Oh my gosh. The first week is always just emotions everywhere, (laughs) right? Because psychologically, you can't have your coping skill and the coping skill for all of the contestants is food. Yeah. So you go a little nuts. Because for a lot of these contestants, you know, eating was something they did just because they were bored, you know, or because they were aggravated about something. And so let me fill that emotion up with food type of thing. And a lot of this is also just like a mindfulness scale where you go, okay, how am I really feeling right now? Am I really hungry or am I just completely bored or am I really just angry at something that I need to have sugar. And so we go, all right, so what is going to be a different type of sugar for you? Because you can get dopamine in different ways. You can get dopamine in a apple fritter bar, or you can get dopamine from walking out in the sun, you know, and you also get serotonin and whatnot. So it's really great to see people find different coping skills that are much healthier for them. Okay. Now, the coaches, Bob Harper, Jillian Michaels. Oh, yes. Okay. Amazing, amazing trainers. However, Jillian Michaels is intense. So when she's like in these contestants' faces, just like yelling on, you know, she's trying to break them down so she can build them up. But when she's yelling and they're like crying or they're <laughs> yelling, are you just like, oh my gosh, just do what she says? Oh, Jillian, just be nice. Are you like cringing behind the camera? Or are you just like, well, here we go? You signed up for this. Yeah. What, what's so great is that 
There are contestants that want to be yelled at, that want to be pushed, right? Even when they're exhausted, they need somebody to just do what Jillian does. And then you have other contestants that just kind of want to hug (laughs) Bob Harper, right? And it's just like, let's just do, let's do something still intense, minus the yelling and whatnot. (laughs) The different types of relationships that we want um, with trainers, you know, and I think that is so cool to see because some people find motivation in different elements. Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home? Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do. It's going to be honest with me and cares about even the smallest of details. Well, thankfully, we know just the builder. You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies. Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. So, Joel, for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts. All right. And Steph has not seen these. So we want to I want to give these lists so people know what you've done, what you've accomplished. And also, so Steph, you're gonna see her genuine reaction as well, Joel. Okay. So you ready for this stuff? Okay. Fun fact number one. Some of the other shows, Joel's executive produced in addition to The Biggest Loser, Hell's Kitchen, is Boy Band, mm-hmm. Pit My Ride. And the daytime Emmy Award nominated Stop Asian Hate. <gasps> Wait, the Emmys were just on. Are they, they here, were here this like weekend? two weeks ago Are or they... something, right? When is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. The show was um, Recipe for Change, Stop Asian Hate. And I was so, so honored and excited that we were nominated for that Emmy. We didn't win it, but I was happy with who we lost to because yes. the show was about rescue dogs. And so I was like, okay, I can't be mad at that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, if there was a show to lose to, that would be it. <laughs> now, was that your first Emmys or had you been Yeah, there that before? was my first Emmy nomination. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. And, it truly meant a lot because I, as someone who's Filipino American to work on a show about, you know, stop Asian hate and what we can do to stand up for marginalized communities. I thought that was just so perfect. Where were you when you found out you were nominated? I was, I think I was at the gym, funny enough. Um, <laughs> I got a text message. Everything is via like casual text message, right? There's never really like that formal email. Like someone beats the formal email to the punch. <laughs> Um, and they were like, congratulations. And I was like, what? what is I was definitely much more energetic for the rest of the workout. I'll say oh, that. I bet you were. Okay. So what is it like when you're actually there in person, right? It is an awards, but it is a show as well. So what's kind of behind the scenes when you're actually there in person, Joel? Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the stress of what you're going to wear. you're like what wait all right so everyone wears this or do i try to be different or do i try to actually like go with what the look is i mean for for guys you know you obviously wear like the black suit and whatnot and so after much debate i was like all right let me just go with like a classic suit and then you show up and you're a little like overwhelmed because you see all these different shows all these other amazing people and it is just a hub of creativity and you can feel the energy there not to mention the cameras and the red carpet and the step and repeats and then you see the room where they hold the awards and of course all these other celebrities and then you see the stage and then you see these 20-foot Emmys and you're just like whoa you know it's a surreal experience and it is an honor to just be nominated type of thing because you're like that this is an experience that I, I don't get to have every single day. 
But we're so excited for you, right? The success you're having, the Thank shows. Yeah. I mean, being nominated for an Emmy. An Emmy? Oh, my amazing. gosh. Amazing. Oh, and like you. you said, just to be there, to walk the red carpet, to experience network, to experience it. that. I mean, right. 99% of people don't get to experience that. I mean, you talk about an American dream. Totally. So, Joel has also executive produced the student debt show, Going for Broke, alongside Ashton Kutcher. Uh-huh. He has been a showrunner for multiple production companies, such as LeBron James Spring Hill and Dwayne Johnson's Seven Bucks Productions. So, wow. have you met The Rock? I actually have not met The Rock. You I have not. I've worked for a production company. That's, that's the goal in life, right, is eventually meeting The Rock. But no, working for his production company was absolutely amazing. What's been one of the favorite shows you've been on or co-produced? Co-produced was the one that Kevin just mentioned, which was Going From Broke, which I was an executive producer alongside Ashton Kutcher. And he was somebody that was very hands-on and passionate about the show, which was so nice as a as a celebrity EP. Like he really was a part of the conversation and filming and casting. Like he truly cared about the show. And the show was about what we can do to help these kids who were in severe student loan debt. At the time, student loan debt was $1.6 trillion. You know, this was just a, a couple of years ago. And um, it was really really great to see Ashton who came up with the show be there as a part of filming to see what we can do to help these kids out. That's good. It wasn't just his name only, right? He was actually actively involved. Yeah. Oh, that's good. All right, Steph. So Joel was born in the Philippines, moved to California on his sixth birthday. How hard was that? Because it's all your other family back there. there, There's a story to this. Oh, okay. Sorry. Did I interrupt you? That's all right. That's all right. Can you share the story of what happened on your sixth birthday? Yeah. So basically, it was my sixth birthday, and we were going from the Philippines, where I was born, obviously, to America. And I remember looking out the window and you know i had like my birthday cake on the plane a a stewardess like put a candle on some not even a a lit candle it was like something on some dessert and my mom looked at me and was like happy birthday america is your gift and it was so surreal because there were all these new things that i was not aware of like cereal to me i was like whoa cookies swimming in milk (laughs) you know i'm like you put the cookies on the milk and they just like swim around and then you eat it with a spoon. Like, what is that? And like, you're just like, as a kid, you're just like, what, what's going on? What's happening? But um, that, that was such an amazing experience. And I, I'll always think of that in every birthday. The fact that I, I came to America on my birthday. Did you know English at the time? Yeah, I was working on my English and I was pretty good at it. Uh, because my family knew for a few years that we were going to be moving to America. But that was something that it can be tough, right? For a six-year-old is yes. that you can easily feel different. You can easily get bullied. And so I remember thinking, like, I, I, I got to fit in <laughs> somehow. So I got to really work on my English. So I did what I could. I thought you were going to say when you came to America, it was like, you're watching Saved by the Bell or something and oh, learning gosh. English through TV. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. And it it really is so great because I remember my family, uh, my parents saying, you know, America is the land of opportunity. And that's why 
they wanted to bring their five kids here. And to see this kid from the Philippines and then all of a sudden an executive producing these big shows in Hollywood, I was like, all right, I hope I made my parents proud with this. Yes. Okay, Joel, reading about you, there was one thing that was very interesting, right? You talked about how kids born in the Philippines, boys become doctors, girls become nurses, right? So at what point were your parents like, okay, he hit it, right? Like we get it. His plan was better than what we had Mm. for Joel as a son, right? When did you have that moment, I guess, with your parents? I think once they started to see my name at the credits of shows, really? and they started to see that I was able to pay for my own place and buy my own car and be supportive during, you know, holidays in terms of like, here's like money and all that stuff. So I think they were like, oh, this is a real career, mm-hmm. you know, because entertainment wasn't really a real career in the Philippines growing up. Like it really was like limited. It was like lawyer, medical, or maybe like tech stuff, you know, and I wasn't really interested in any of that. So are your sisters nurses? My sisters are nurses. Are they? Are they? <laughs> they totally are. They really are. Yeah. Which, by the way, added to my guilt trip because they were like going to nursing school. They're older than me. And I was like, all right, time to be a doctor. <laughs> no pressure, Joel. No this better pressure. this better work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Did you go to college? I went to UCLA and UCLA was up the street from MTV. It still is. But that was when I had to make a decision of pursue a career that I know that I'm going to hate or leave now and take this risk of being an assistant at MTV. And I chose the latter. I left UCLA and I got an assistant job at MTV, just like hoping (laughs) that it would pay off. And I'm so happy that it did. Okay. When you left UCLA, did you tell your parents? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like one of the toughest things to, to break. Yeah. I would have been like, ah, they'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no need to it's drop fine. this bomb on them. Right if I don't have to, <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So Steph, yesterday was a big, big deal for Joel. And a huge congratulations to you. Oh, thank right? you. So first off, it marked three years of his sobriety. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. And besides getting featured in the LA Times yesterday, Joel, what did you do to celebrate? How do you celebrate those type of occasions now? Uh, you know, I'm getting goosebumps uh, thinking about it, but the... Los Angeles Times article, they said, you know, this article is going to come out in this week. I was like, what? That's the same week that I am going to be three years sober. And then it fell on the same day. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) And so the fact that it fell on the same day, people started reading the articles. I just got a massive amount of messages, texts, and emails from people that were really, really inspired. And that's really the whole point of telling my story is that, you know, when I was struggling with... um, 
substance addiction and I was drinking two bottles of wine a night, like not even like the, the fun kind, literally like at home by myself, you know, just like downing drinks. I didn't know anyone that was open about their mental health journey. I didn't know anyone that spoke about it in a way that could help others, right? Because in Hollywood, let's face it, there is an appeal to the facade of it all and the glitz and the glam and and whatnot. And I just wanted to be at least somebody in Hollywood who can say, like, I really went through a struggle and this was my experience. And LA Times did such a beautiful job of writing my story. And yeah, I hope it just continues to inspire others. So you mentioned drinking two bottles of wine a night. At what point... Did you say, okay, I need help. Like, I have an issue. Like, was there a tipping point where it was like, okay, no, 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 this has to stop? Yeah, 100%. I know the exact moment. So I was on location uh, for a show and I woke up in my hotel room, you know, on a Saturday at like 2 p.m. And there were just bottles of wine, empty bottles of wine everywhere. And I remember thinking I got to hide this from the cleaning lady or whoever, because I was so ashamed of this life that I was living. And then I started to go, whoa, I've been doing this for years, this whole closeted binge drinking type of thing. I was very functional because I would drink at night and then work really hard in the daytime and then drink at night, work really hard at the daytime. And I couldn't do it anymore. My body just wasn't keeping up. And I realized that this was something that needed to stop or else I wasn't going to be alive anymore. Truthfully, like I was headed to death very, very quickly. Mm. So how do you hide that from your family, from I guess, friends on yeah. set. Yeah. yeah how, how do you hide that? That's what addiction does is that it makes you a really good liar. You know, it oh. teaches you how to live a duplicitous life. Addiction teaches you how to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of thing. And you, you know how to like flip a switch, you know? So you go to set and then you run a show and you just like flip the switch and then you go, Oh, all right. I finished in about six hours. That's when I get to have my next drink again. When I'm around with my family, I didn't drink at all. Right. I would just go up to I go to family events and then I go, all right, this will be done in an hour. And then I can go have a drink again. That was like, my reward almost, you know? And so I really needed to change that internal dialogue because it was making me live a lie. Like it was making me two different people. So Steph, last fun fact here. So outside of executive producing all these TV shows, Mm -hmm. Joel runs a mental wellness program called Change Your Algorithm. It provides free mental health support through a team of therapists. So Joel, can you kind of give listeners more information about what that is? Because that is an incredible program that you started. Thank you so much. So yeah, on on that day when I woke up and I said, enough is enough in the middle of that pile of empty wine bottles, I decided I needed to go to rehab. And so I called my family, which was something that I'd never done because I never had talked about um, my drinking. I'd never done that before with my family. And I said, I needed help. I'd never done that. And they were fortunately so, so compassionate. And they helped me find, you know, some of the best rehabs that would be a good fit for me. And I checked myself into one of them. And when I did, I felt like a contestant in one of my own rehab shows. I was like, 
I got to turn in my keys to my car and I'm here with a bunch of strangers and there's surveillance cameras uh, everywhere. And like, and I'm a, con- I'm a control freak. And so I was like, I just have to like live in this like dorm room and celebrity rehab, right? Celebrity rehab. And I spent 50 days there and I thought rehab was going to be about people saying, here's why alcohol is bad for you. And here's why you need to stop drinking. And it wasn't, it was therapists talking about, how we can be grateful, how we can set boundaries, how we can be mindful, how to forgive others, how to forgive ourselves, how to heal from traumas. And I just fell in love with rehab, the idea that these therapists were just providing their knowledge. And granted, I spent tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket to save my own life. By the time I left and I was feeling good, I said, there has got to be a program where others can experience this without having to pay a single dollar. Mm. And so I created my own program and found volunteer therapists that started being of service in March of 2020, which is when the pandemic started. And so the timing was kind of perfect Yes, uh, because people really needed free therapy at that point. And, you know, what started off as two volunteer therapists became five, became 10, then became 20. And then all of a sudden people started attending these classes. And I called the program Change Your Algorithm because like things in tech and social media, when we are in an algorithm, we just kind of abide by it, right? We just go, that's how it is. And that's how it is with depression and anxiety. We go, I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be addicted to alcohol. I'm always going to be anxious. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can actually change your own algorithm the algorithm of your life and we're absolutely honored that we provide these services for free that is amazing thank you so much well Steph another thing that Joel does I don't have it listed here on my fun facts but part of his mental health treatment is he now goes to the gym and boxes six days a week and Joel I gotta tell you so looking at your Instagram looking at your photos (laughs) I am so happy you're doing this interview with a shirt on. <laughs> so you don't make me feel bad for not being oh at the gym today. So hats off to you for changing your lifestyle, your habits, and just becoming addicted to fitness and training yeah. and improving yourself. Thank you so much. You know, with the, the pandemic starting and I was really focusing on my mental health, I also eventually wanted to go, all right, what can I do to work on my body? And I started to get really, really fascinated about how the mind and body are connected. And truthfully, at the end of the day, it's like working out, if you go through depression, anxiety, stress, addiction, and whatnot, working out is amazing because you get dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, all these natural happy chemicals that your body produces. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, for more information about Joel, you can go to his Instagram page at Joel Relampagos, and I will spell that out in the show notes, our website, That's so good. you can just That's click great. right on the link. Also, the website, changealgorithm.com, is what he just mentioned, where you can go and get advice, free therapist, all of that. It is a great resource out there for people dealing with depression, anxiety, and other mental, mental health, health issues. Mm-hmm. So, right. Joel Thank you so much. We're honored to talk to you. We booked this with you like a month in advance. So we have been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you. Absolute honor. And your questions were so fun. I love just like the energy. Like that got me pumped as soon as I was like, what's up? Oh, yes. Yeah, I should have warned you about Steph's enthusiasm in my email. I almost did. I almost said, hey, I just warned you. My wife. I, lo- I honestly, I love it. Like, I, I Thanks, need like producers like that in my team. 
friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tells a Good Story.